Arg, grog. Hey guys, it's the Sideship Podcast with me, Peter Fickling, Kerry Warbis and Matthew Weir. Uh, so Kerry, Matthew, I've been out and about all week and I sort of feel slightly discombobulated and sort of separated from the show. And I know I've listened to it all. I'm pretty sure I heard every episode, but I don't really know how to, to feel about it. It felt quite sort of, it felt sort of almost surreal. Oh, I listened in a very bitty way. Um, so I kind of know what you mean. And I think it it felt like a lot happened this week. There were two massive parties and mm. lots of sackings and obviously Kathy's return. I actually listened to most of them today <laughs> for the first time. So um, I actually, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the week, even though it was all bollocks. <laughs> when you say you felt, found it surreal, Peter, was it because you listened in a different way this week or the content itself? Obviously, the whole Kathy thing with the Easter Bunny, hmm. the fuss they were making over the Easter Bunny, Vince suddenly turning into this kind of like wildly oversensitive, kind of like deeply emotional man who was sort of like sort of you know, getting incredibly worked up about this silly party. Then you had the strange... Also, Adil was is is a, is an, the way that he's kind of portrayed, sort of kind of walking in to every mm. scene and going, "Hello, long-established character. Do you mind if I bring the audience up to date by asking you a series of uh, um, very pointed questions?" And it wasn't just to Kathy and Jolene. He'd done the same thing with Freddie. You know, there was a, the, the whole week finished with that kind of like quite mm. clumsy sort of. Um, exposition uh, you know with with roy where roy's like oh you know you want to watch out we're gonna see the ass off you he's like well you might want to think about your uh, uh job potential in the future roy dun, 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 dun. you know it was all a bit over the top he is right about that i think you know yeah. why is he cutting his nose off to spite his face uh, any sane person would think right i need to be careful here because much as it grieves me they may be my future employer, so I won't piss them off. Also, Kerry, much to Peter's annoyance, um, you were handed a massive wedge and sat on your ass for the second half of last year. <laughs> How do, does mm. their deal weigh up, do you think? Uh, our deal's deal. Yes. Well, I found it very surprising that they weren't given better notice and sort of um, to take them all into a room and say, this is all being wrapped up in two weeks and, you know, it will be closed for a whole year. I It doesn't surprise me that Roy has sought some legal advice because it didn't feel right to me. I was put on consultation for a long period of time. Then I was on gardening leave. Um, so there was a huge amount of notice. I had worked there a long time, 28 years. but um, Almost as long as Roy has worked at Grey Gables. Yeah. Well, he's, he's in his early 40s and he started there in his teens, didn't he? Yeah, he was 18. You went through a period of being a massive racist, didn't you, a couple of decades ago? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thanks, Peter. But, yeah, I hasten to add, though. Oh, is it's it not diff- public knowledge? Oh, sorry, Kerry. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. Um, I do hasten to add, though, that because I tweeted that redundancy can be a good thing. And it, and it honestly can, but I chose mine and it's very different when it's thrust upon you and you've not had any choice about the matter. Like mo- like most things in life, really. Yeah, <laughs> true. 
but it can be, you know, they're going to get some a decent payout. I can't remember how long Tracy's worked there. It isn't that long, is it? I know she mentioned I've I've hardly been here. No, it's I mean it's minuscule compared to Roy, isn't it? Who's been there his whole life. I mean, just massively out of character for Oliver, though, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like how he would have done it. Regard, wouldn't he have at least? If they're his friends. You think he would have brought an in, even if it was um, leaving certain other characters out in the cold, the ones that we don't hear, for example, mm. he would have discussed it maybe with at least Roy about yeah. what he what he thought was going to happen. And yeah, I get it. You know, you've had an explosion, which was imp- uh, completely fictional, and then a pandemic, which was factual, and they have to they have to develop the storyline a bit. I wonder how much of this was actually meant to happen after the explosion. Ah. I Well, I don't know. I kind of thought that, but it's, uh, I think it's a little bit uh, hard to believe that he would have yeah. just dropped that bombshell like that. He would have given them a notice period that's longer than the two weeks. And also, I think, People pointed out on Twitter that doing a refurb at this time in the year is really unusual in hospitality. You would normally do that in the winter. So they could have kept open because they're busy. They were fully booked, weren't they, over Easter? Could have still been um, open until autumn, which could have been their notice period and given them time to actually look for other employment. And sorry to be naive, but I mean, I, I I would have thought that if you have good staff, it's worth for the continuity of the business and for the quality of the business to put them on gardening leave for the year, certainly bring them in, keep them busy, get them doing some marketing work, send them off on training and stuff. But um, when uh, the lockdown, I think it was like lockdown three, Charlotte and I went to a quite a nice hotel that had been, you know, it was like the week it opened up again. It was when we, you know, everyone had to wear masks. You weren't allowed to go to any of the communal areas. You know, basically it was your room in the grounds that you mm. stayed in and they kept all their staff going. They didn't make anyone sack because of exactly this. Like they had the, they had the setup as they needed it. So it's, it does seem rather short termist to, to sack everyone. It was funny when Ardil said, Hey, there's going to be loads of job opportunities for carpenters, electricians and builders. Well, I can't imagine Tracy or Kathy suddenly turning their hand to being an electrician. Yeah, I know. I wondered that. I was like, well, he's just, if only there was a cheap, affordable builder in Ambridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it was. Uh, yeah, see, people on Twitter were going, well, how else should Oliver have approached it? This is how it would happen. He would have, you know, got someone to scope it out and then have to do an announcement to everyone. Another thing as well, in that meeting when he said, you know, I've sold 60%, I'll be stepping down from uh, day-to-day involvement. Someone in that room would have said, well, who is the owner? (laughs) Yeah, because he's just the representative, isn't he? You would certainly have said, well, who is it who's taking over? Is there going to be a bombshell? I mean, you assume there is. I speculated on Facebook it could be Justin, but that wouldn't make sense for all of his scouting around Ambridge because obviously Justin knows the area. And he'd want to do the sacking, wouldn't he? Yes. You're fired. (laughs) You're fired. And it's not Vince, is it, as many people have been fantasising about. Doesn't seem to be because he's like, he was sounding genuinely surprised, wasn't he? I did feel yesterday that there was going to be this moment where it would have been completely unrealistic, but... Adil Shah was going to go, do you know what? 
you're all absolutely fantastic and I'm never going to ref- refurbish the hotel. We're going to keep it exactly the way it is. <laughs> you know, yeah. and leave those those flea-bitten carpets. It's fine. Bed bugs, I don't care. You all love each other and let's keep going. Mm. And I just thought, oh, that's not good. How did you think the staff hand- handled it generally? I mean, Roy, Roy's taking legal advice. Tracy was very sad, wasn't she? Mm. Yeah. Um, but she's very worried about finances, isn't she? Yeah, here we go. We can see that storyline coming, can't we? Yeah, she's going to get three months tax-free mm. on top of... That's ex-gratia, didn't he say? On top of redundancy or something? I can't remember how he phrased it. Apparently, Kerry, Yaz was quite positive about what the future holds. <laughs> the only way is up. <laughs> yeah, that's what. that's exactly what I was getting at. Yeah, why didn't they play that at the party? Yeah, they missed a chance there. What did you think of um, Ian in the kitchen? Oh, my God. I think that question's the wrong way around, Matthew. What did you think of Ian in the kitchen? Well, he lost the combi oven, didn't he? You know mm. what a combi oven is? It's that big fancy thing that you can set to steam, roast, whatever. It's that kind of tall, like almost lo- looks like a fridge oven yeah. that you open and shut. So he was going to... Be- I thought he was a bit of a lazy ass, to be honest, because he was going to just roast the rack of lamb as a whole, his Hassett Hills rack of lamb, he was going to roast that as a whole in the combi oven and then I think just cut one off at, rack off at a time mm. and serve it. Whereas in this case, he had to individually cook each rack of lamb. Well, whoopee in a shit. Pan. Yeah, mm. which is what nearly every chef I've ever worked with has done. Mm. I mean, the one thing I was surprised was, given his training, I mean, I've worked in Ireland, he's from the north, and he used the hob. I thought he'd be more used to dairy grills. <laughs> Matthew. Was that Derry Girls? Funny boy. It was. You can play the <laughs> bell if you want, Peter. I laugh. No, 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 no. I, 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 I found it funny. I just, I'm just. <laughs> the lead into it was so long as well. He's... <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, when they describe a really, a really crafty or kind of talented boxer, they sort of throw punches from angles you're not expecting. <laughs> so it's both, you know. So even as you're, even as you're admiring the the the, the genius of it, there's also a kind of like a sort of a, a gasp of shock. That's how I feel. <laughs> but when he was shouting, you know, when he was shouting, going, "Where are my dauphin Come on, come on! No dropping the pace." Yes, and um, the fish shouldn't should be on the pea puree, not on the side. Do it again. Yes. <laughs> He was like Gordon Ramsay's kitchen nightmares all of a sudden, wasn't it? Like, you've been working 30 years and an oven has broken and this is what you do. Exactly. There was someone in the back room who went, sorry. I don't know if that was Yaz or something. Yeah. And a plate smashed. Yeah. Oh, dear. Mm. Things do happen like that in kitchens. You know, I just think he was, um, of mm. course, they were busy, but Easter Sunday is hardly like carnage. In a in a really really busy New York restaurant, is it? There's probably on if you go through the doors, there's loads of people sat down, like very calm and like Chopin is playing. Yeah, exactly. And if you just said, "Oh, it's a bit, de- we're going to be a bit delayed because the oven's broken," no one would care. And then afterwards, Roy said, "Oh, you were you were amazing. How calm you were." And he went, "I didn't want to be defeated." <laughs> really, sort of, you know, it's some lamb chops, love. You're not in Afghanistan or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is that thing with chefs that i never quite understood when i worked with them that it's like it's it's the customer against us and it's a battle and we have to fight i was like well no or just come in you make the food and you serve it mate it's not that 
hard, is it? <laughs> but there are some, yeah, there are these people that just, they, they're convinced themselves that they're on like a, a tour of duty or something. It's like, mm. no, we're going to work. And then if you've got any sense, you're going to the pub. So what will happen to Ian then? He'll get his mobile food wagon on the go, won't he? Well, when Brian and Rory were talking um, on Wednesday's episode, Brian was kind of uh, reflect. He'd heard the news, I think, via Peggy, hadn't he? That Grey Gables was going to close because yeah. of the Jack connection. And uh, there was that bit where Brian said, well, Adam said, Ian just looked dazed. I was like, well, he is talking to Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Anything could be happening. It's only natural. That's what yeah. anyone yeah, appears like. It's going to be a um, tale of two cities, isn't it? You're going to have people mm. like Ian who he's going to be, after a couple of minutes, after a couple of weeks of being down, he's suddenly going to be like, oh, you remember that uh, that mobile food van idea I had, Adam? And they're going to resuscitate that. The one that Adam poo-pooed because he'd spent all, you know, borrowed too much money, etc. cetera. The, the Moroccan one. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> and what's it called, Matthew? It's called Rage Against the Tagine. <laughs> but he'll get a decent payout, won't he, to buy the yeah exactly artisanal mobile food. And so will Linda, and so will Roy, and uh, and you. So it's going to be there's going to be the sort of harsh juxtaposition, isn't there? The way that mm. some the haves of this world just sort of blithely move on to another opportunity, and oh, it's going to be torture. It's going to be absolute torture. We've been training this for weeks, haven't we? How how much we don't want this to happen. Yeah, a whole year of no Grey Gables. Oh, I know what I meant to ask. What does Roy actually do? <laughs> I don't know what his job is. Yeah, he just, he just floats around being um, pissed off about shit, doesn't so he? Since the age of 18, in a relatively smallish hotel, what, is, what was his job? Any clues? Um, he's a job's worth, isn't he? Oh right, okay. Is that, is that his title? Yeah, I mean, the only the only time he got out of his hotel suit was to get into his dressing gown to go around and complain about the party. Oh man, that was embarrassing, wasn't it? Eleven thirty. Yeah, eleven thirty. Shock horror. And apparently, they turned the music off at midnight. Sorry, was it eleven thirty? Yeah, yes. he was banging on the door. I thought it was two thirty. No, eleven no. thirty. Oh no, no, no! You, 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 you start moaning to your partner at nine. You start threatening to go round at about 10, 30, 11. <laughs> you start doing sort of like passive-aggressive banging on the wall at maybe midnight, and then you go round and shout at them at two. That's Is that standard operating mm, procedure? No, I don't think so. Peter, have you, have you been talking to Ryan early and you've just got the script of Abigail's party there? <laughs> <laughs> but if people... Normally they will say, we are having a party. So you get a bit of notice, don't you? And one-off parties are fine, I think. I wouldn't complain about a party at all until early, like two, three o'clock or something like that. Oh, but you know that you know that I have a very particular situation, so I perhaps am a little less patient these days than your average uh, yeah. member of the member of the public well, our, our lovely name i moan dear listeners i moan to kerry and matthew maybe once twice a week um our neighbors do karaoke pretty much every night in the garden it sounds like if it's not in the garden it's in the house and they are the worst singers in the world so i'm i've been beaten down and i you know i'm getting quite i'm getting quite i think that's there. different you know like persistent awful not, you know mm. one-off parties are such a different kettle of fish isn't True. it yeah. I shouted at my neighbour over the back on Friday 
because he was ba- repeatedly banging lumps of concrete or something, slabs of something or other. With oh, a just obnoxious. Yeah. Till 7pm on Good Friday, which is a day where everyone's really relieved to have the day off work and wants to do something nice. And relax. Did you go direct or did you go for uh, um, heaving sarcasm? I shout, I opened the back door and just shouted, please, will you stop banging? That's not bad, is it? And he sort of went, <laughs> no. of course, really sort of sheepishly straight away. And I went, it's seven o'clock on Good Friday, bank holiday. And then just shut the back, back door. Kerry walking around her neighbourhood, Matthew, is very much, um, you know, the, the the godfather walking around taking apples from stall stands when Kerry marches around her <laughs> neighbourhood. Kind of like, you know, just clucking little children on their cheeks. I did make the neighbour opposite stop cutting his hedge on a Sunday morning just by looking at him <laughs> from a distance. The crippling irony of this is the neighbour has just started f***ing drilling. So oh. I'm going to turn the, I'm going to leave the mic on. I've been, Peter's editing will be genius because he might get rid of some of this. Mm. But yeah, he just started drilling. There was a really good story in Veers. Oh, here he goes. Can you hear that? Mm-hmm. It's 7.23 on a Friday. F- off you what are you doing i'm not upset about the drilling matthew i'm upset that you have robbed me and kerry of our now standard shark joke when this happens (laughs) i know well last time it was a bus changing gear still okay you could have you could have thought about us it's you know (laughs) that's become a staple of this podcast there was a very good um complaint to viz once about how someone was staying next to a band from the 80s and their laundry, they were renting the house next door. God, I can't remember who it was, living in a box or someone like that. And their lawn, they used to wash their clothes late at night so they'd be clean for the next gig. And they, they complained about this. And, you know, they did one of those little follow-ups saying, have you been <laughs> have you been domestically, uh, you know, pissed off by a, an 80s band? Maybe you just put your washing out and Huey Lewis, Huey Lewis in the news lit a bonfire. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was just a great response. Mm. Very niche. But I yeah, love Viz letters are great, aren't they? Ah, right. So, yeah, party. Roy is boring and shouldn't have complained. And then, oh, yeah, he got Alice round, didn't he? Because he kind of sort of went, right, it's still bank holiday. We'll see about this. Was it him who, he? yeah, he, he tried to ring other people and they didn't answer, didn't he? And then Alice appeared. Mm. What did you think about her handling of Rory? Before I go any further, I will just say this. I'm really happy to have Alice in the Archers as long as Chris isn't in the Archers. Mm. Absolutely. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I, it's obviously, it's not going to last. But the, 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 thing I like, the thing I like about Alice is, at the moment, is that she, she seems quite self-aware. So it's quite sort of relaxing because she talks the characters through her motivations and she talks us as the listener through her motivations. So it was all very patiently explained to Rory what she was trying to do and why she wasn't, you know, um, why she wasn't trying to sort of give him therapy. And, and he, you know, I, Rory is, I mean, what's the point of it? Why, why are we, why is Rory falling to pieces so much? Why is he being such a bellend? Is it, I mean, was that rather sort of clumsy? Um, Is it all the Siobhan stuff and he's, and Alice has triggered this meltdown and this kind of existential angst about what is family and does he really have a family? Is, mm. is that it? Because when he was drunk, he was saying that, wasn't he? Like, oh, family, what a joke. And then he also did that kind of impassioned Julianne. Yeah. And is he using Julianne as a mother figure? 
to replace yeah. his relationship with Siobhan. Yeah, that's the obvious thing, isn't it? Yeah, which makes me think they're definitely not shagging. Ah, so it's as much companionship for him. Yeah, absolutely. He's mm. that's what he's done. I think he's he's it's set like Peter said, it's triggered something when Alice mm. had that drunken outburst and he's gone running to the arms of a an older woman, but he sees it as a mother character figure. I wish my mum would pay me loads of money to spend time with me. <laughs> what, and see like naked fire dancers in a thousand pound a table nightclub? Yeah, girls in massive champagne glasses. How dope does that sound? No one says that. Nope, there was a, and Freddie also said sick as well. They seem <laughs> to be quite behind with their, um, mm-hmm. with their lingo. The thing they don't understand about, you know, any big city is that the really cool parties are not the expensive sort mm. of um, superficially glamorous ones. Like, yeah. so what, the, you know, what they've described is the really naff stuff that actually the friends would be completely disinterested in. So I think that, you know, they were showing their age then, unless things have changed dramatically since I was a... No, no, this they no, no, they haven't. I mean, the kind of part is, yeah, I was in Bristol... And I, I went back over my old stomping ground in Bristol on the weekend, just gone. Mm. And I felt bloody ancient <laughs> going out. <laughs> I'm just imagining you there in a pair of high-tech, high, you know, high-tech high tops <laughs> with a, a fanny pack on. And one of those one of those little kind of beige um, photographer's singlets kind of going, oh, I used to go here, yeah. You're going in. It's great yeah. in there. Like that meme with the skateboard where he's sort of saying, I can't Steve Buscemi. Yeah. yeah. Hello, fellow youths. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you forgot that I was wearing a visor for you. Oh, sorry. But Bristol's pretty, um, it's pretty broad anyway in terms of It's really of that. mixed, and, isn't it? It's probably like Brighton. Yeah. And so, so is Dublin. But I did have a couple of friends a few years back when I was living in Dublin. I took them to my local and it's a real, like, a real rocker of a pub. And we went out and had a good night. And the next morning they said, that's the first time in ages I haven't felt like an old <laughs> I'm on a night out and I was like what do you mean they said Bristol is just you go to a club now and like everyone's 18 I was like yeah that's kind of how it was when we were out yeah university city isn't it I did think it was weird that they um Rory the prick was really upset that someone had tried to come with trainers on yeah that's the that's the dress code what? for any cool to, party trainers yeah to, he wouldn't to his he wouldn't... house Yes, he wasn't going to let in, um, who was it, Harry and Alex, because they had trainers on. So so basically, Rory was trying to recreate Cinderella Rockefellers from Cambridge in 1992. Yeah, yeah. yes. He said they wouldn't get into Liberty dressed like that. Yeah. And Ben was just like, whatever the f*** that is, you yeah. prick. Does he mean that really nice fabric shop in London <laughs> that sells Maybe. loads of sort of paisley stuff? Yeah, you got to take your shoes off at the door there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was very... Because he, he was like going, it's dressy. It's a dressy party. F*** off. You're in your mum and dad's house. Yeah, like, piss off. The cocktails that he was mentioning as well were really weirdly not youthful. Well, whiskey sour and a screwdriver. Yeah. It's impossible not to repeat yourself when the sh- when the arches itself repeats itself. But as I've said before, they need a youth consultant. It's getting mm. ridiculous because, I mean, or just talk to the actors yeah. You know, ahead of time, just send them the script and say, look, feel free to send this back with any edits. You know, if you believe the times that there is a there is a younger audience now listening to the archers. But I, I suspect there might not be. And it's just a bunch of like 
Gen Xers complaining about the fact that they don't sound like teenagers at all on a podcast. But you'd think <laughs> you'd think that Ben and Rory would sort of be going, "We, no one our age would speak like this." <laughs> yeah, maybe. You'd think they would have some input, wouldn't you? Just for the sake of uh, cost, you can't you can't have a consultant for every single for every single uh, uh, profession. You know, like I complain about branding. Matthew uh, Matthew makes you know jokes about the fact that they get the chefing wrong sometimes, and that's fair enough. We don't you can't have every single profession completely nailed, but mm. you can ask people who are the right age to just run a kind of like you know first edit over it and go, yeah, there may be trainers are fine, guys. Even the music they were playing at that party was ancient. The first track. Yeah, what was it? I I couldn't pinpoint. Dee, dee, yeah, dee, dee, isn't that Robert dee, Miles? Ah, oh, probably. Yeah, I can't remember, but it's very old, isn't it? Yeah, like you would play surely more current stuff, would you not? I was expecting like idols to be playing, <laughs> and them to be trashing the kitchen or something <laughs> in their dressy outfits. Yes. <laughs> The music was better at Vince's, to be honest. There was some Depeche Mode being played. Wasn't there? Yeah, two Vince C's in one room, wasn't it? <laughs> Vince Clark and Vince Casey. Oh, very good. I did like Freddie expecting a, a 10 grand check to be pulled out of Vince's um, pocket and he got a shitty old mixtape instead. <laughs> oh, I loved that. Yeah. What, I mean, is my memory cloudy on this? Did Vince absolutely promised that he was going to fund Freddie's DJ business. He no. said he'd look at the spreadsheet. Yeah. And he, he promised it. And like, I mean, he said so he, he threw Freddie some crumbs on Monday, didn't he? Or something like, I've got something for you. <laughs> and then, you know, Freddie got all excited and went around telling everyone that he was going to get loads of, loads of funding from Vince. Mm. And then like he says to Linda later on, I didn't expect him to give me the money. I was like, that's exactly what you expected. Yeah. I thought Linda was going to say, here, have £2,000, Freddie. <laughs> or even worse, it's 40 shiny pounds. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did like Freddie's reaction to the CD. That was hilarious. And... When Elizabeth ex or Vince explained that the platinum bracelet had coordinates in it of where they first kissed, and Freddie just went, Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. But Vince is quite busy, you know. I mean, have you ever had the the back knocked off your ass by a bunch of builders? Oh. Not without paying. Off your ass. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, those the building works have been going on ages, haven't they? We'll see. Yeah. Again, if only there was some efficient, affordable builders in Ambridge. <laughs> yeah, and then Oliver sacked all his friends, didn't he? Have we done that already? Yeah, <laughs> we have. <laughs> we have, Gary. Sorry, I was just looking at someone out the window. I was a bit distracted then. <laughs> what? Is it the guy hitting concrete? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to make him stop. Are you no. having your own little Diet Coke moment here, Gary? Is there some shirtless, <laughs> big, burly lump out there that you're... Leviciously no. running your eyes over. It's a motorbike delivery person for my house. It did seem a bit implausible that Freddie was able to rustle everything together, and I can't quite work out: is is Freddie uh, misunderstood by his family, and actually, once he knuckles down, really quite capable, or is it just kind of like brownie in motion, and it's just all kind of random, and sometimes it screws up, and sometimes it doesn't? Because obviously, with the 
with the Easter Bunny, he got saved. But then, but then, um, you know, and all the drama for that was set, wasn't it? When um, when Vince and Oliver kind of had their ding dong, where Vince sort of, you know, sort of threatened all kinds of stuff, unless uh, Oliver got mm. things sorted out. Yeah, everything was suggested, wasn't it? Like Vince was going to go heavy on him, um, and they had an actual TV reference, didn't they? Elizabeth said, "Did did you go all Thomas Shelby?" To oh, organize yes. this, yeah, is that Peaky Blinders? Yeah. It is Peaky Blinders. Yeah, yeah, Killian Murphy's character. If, 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 I, if I don't understand something, I assume it's Peaky Blinders because it's only one everyone talks about. <laughs> is that like you use that for any point of reference? Pretty much, because uh, it because uh, I you know like people seem to have gone mad for it, and I I'm I don't quite. Um... I haven't seen the final season, so I'm not going to bother with that. I watched the first two or three and then just thought it had burnt out really Mm, it was good early on but yeah he did get a bit heavy heavy at least in his tone with oliver it's in like you better be joking mate sorry sounds a bit australian there but um (laughs) and then he suggested maybe oliver suggested maybe you could move move it to lower loxley which I thought, and then he went, well, she lives there. Am I supposed to get everyone in under my coat? And I was like, well, you can get a few people under a camel coat, mate. They are pretty big. <laughs> oh, Kerry, before I say, yeah. total Kerryception moment today. Ooh. I was on the metro. There was a guy stood next to me in a camel coat. And the guy to the other side of me had his headphones on and he was listening to Flock of Seagulls. I was like, oh. what is happening? Wow. What a moment. Yeah. Very good. You should have been there. Oh, I should. I love the flock. I had a falling out with a friend because I told them that I said to her, uh, I said she came into the pub and I said to her, um, you just come back from a flock of seagulls um, a tribute meeting or something. And she she just, yeah, she didn't talk to me for two weeks. Had her hot, had her hair kind of collapsed <laughs> in the middle. It had been windy and she did have two very distinct peaks <laughs> either side, yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I um, back in the day, I used to have big hair. Uh, back when I was, in the day. Back in the day, yeah. You've got big hair now, haven't you? Yeah, but I like, used to be it's up bigger. in like my early teens. And I remember kind of working behind the bar when I was about 17, 18. And I remember an older guy said to me, are you in Flock of Seagulls? Because it had completely gone down in the middle. And I had no idea what the reference was <laughs> until a couple of years later when we got MTV in, in our house and I saw the Iran <laughs> video. I was like bastard what a song though that is <laughs> that is honestly. A, i tell you what the full length version yeah. with the intro which oh. brings us round nicely to lovely 80s music which vince was playing at the party that we were already talking about yeah. so so we had just can't get enough didn't we mm-hmm. uh whitney houston yeah i thought what would have been really good if linda and freddie would have had their touching chat to only you by Yazoo, that would have been perfect if that had been rumbling along in the background and they didn't. What should have been the backing track for Jolene and Kathy's awkward conversation? Um, First of all, surely Disco Inferno for Freddie and Linda. <laughs> surely just jo- Jolene by Dolly Parton. <laughs> yeah, well, when when I was trying to work out the title for this week's pod- podcast, I was desperately trying to run all kinds of um, Jolene options through my head. Um, I mean, first of all, quick little segue, Dolly Parton, my God, I absolutely adore that woman. But um, mm. yeah, uh, I went to school with a Jolene 
And you, I've never seen deader eyes than when she had to deal with the inevitable conversation of someone going, like the song. <laughs> just, <laughs> this 16-year-old girl is going to go, yes, yes, like the song. My parents are very big country fans. When I was a kid, me and my parents went on like a day trip or a, an overnight trip to Evesham. God knows why. And <laughs> I, we set me and my dad set up our mini cricket set on the green and we were by the river and we were playing cricket. And some kid came over and his parents were like sat right, right there watching and obviously encouraged him to join in. And, my, and this kid said, can I join in? And my dad said, of course you can. And he asked, my dad said, what's your name? And I didn't have any concept of this as a kid kid said my name's dean martin <laughs> my dad just burst out <laughs> laughing in this kid's face anyway we started to play and i bowled him out first go and the kid got angsty about it and my dad said you better let go he'll probably report it to frank sinatra he's bound to know him and <laughs> these kids parents said come on dean we're going <laughs> that was it and they just left oh, God. why do people do that it's like my first yeah. boyfriend being called Paul Newman. Arguably the most beautiful human being has ever lived. Mm. In a completely non-sexual way. Not that it matters either way, but you know. I mean, like Dean just... Martin was pretty cool. Well, Dean Martin, no, Paul Newman though. Paul Newman. He's breathtaking, Paul Newman, isn't he? I mean, oh my God. Young Paul Newman is ridiculously beautiful. Just like as a sort of an aesthetic object. Completely, bizarrely beautiful. So we were talking about Jolene and Kathy, right? Mm. And that very awkward conversation when Adil walks up and sort of basically forces them to uh, uh, take everyone on a kind of a 20-year recap of their romantic history. I I was quite surprised by how little I cared about Kathy or her feelings or anything about her. Yeah, I wasn't like, oh, it's Kathy when the bunny head was taken off and she was like around in there and elizabeth was saying um oh you know i knew it was you I recognize your car. your car and then there was a llama reflection in the car. It's all right like the car is enough elizabeth isn't it if you recognize someone's car there doesn't have to be a llama reflection in the window as well and then kathy did that hilarious line of saying well you know me i'm really good at keeping stum Oh dear. Yeah, I couldn't be asked with her at all, really. I was really hoping that they were going to bring Kathy back, but she would only be allowed to communicate via the medium of honk. <laughs> A bit like um oh. the that Black Museum episode, the final of series six of Black Mirror with the um, monkey loves you, monkey wants a hug, where the monkey can own where they transplant the, the mind of the mother into the monkey to communicate with the kid and she can only say those two things those two expressions God, i haven't seen that black mirror oh get on it i like i mean i like black mirror I haven't seen that one though yeah it's the final of series six Are you sure I that's think. not a cheese dream or something of yours no it definitely happened if, if it is <laughs> you need to start monetizing your cheese dreams eat more cheese and make some notes oh i tell you what i've had some wild dreams since i came back to portugal i won't even go into them <laughs> uh no kathy isn't floating my boat really uh, and the awkwardness with Jolene was, I don't know, yeah, like you say, our deal kept poking around in people's business, didn't he? I like the way Jolene was like, have, have you heard about the slurry? Yeah. <laughs> the slurry lorries. What, an, what a conversation opener. If you lived in a village and, I mean, was, was Jolene's, I can't quite remember exactly, but 
they they Jolene never actually did the dirty with um, Kenton or um, Sid while they were with Kathy, right? No, no. Well, so uh, it's just awkward, isn't it? It's Carrie, not you, you don't sound sure about that, but I think she did. They didn't overlap either time. Well, uh, Kathy made a pointed remark, didn't she? Not like with Sid in this episode. She said that she showed more restraint. Yeah, so there was a bit of blurred. Mm, I don't think there was ever a crossover, though. My, my, uh, I don't know. Feels like ancient times, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? I mean, the the caravan of love sucks. Feels like ancient <laughs> times to me. It felt quite realistic. The level of antagonism. It wasn't really unpleasant. Neither of them was happy with the conversation. But I feel like. If I'd been in their situation, Adil was not picking up a very obvious hint, and I feel like they would have both turned on him, yeah. Sort of rather than keep on taking shots at each other. Like one of them would have said, "Are you not getting this?" What was the point of all of that? Just sort of, you know, that killer line about you don't. I didn't realize how close knit and like a family this place is. Yeah, I thought that's when he was going to say, let's forget the whole plan and just keep Grey Gables as it is. <laughs> Nothing will ever change forever and ever and ever. And now we're going to have to hook Roy up to some cryogenic machine so he can be on reception for the it next 4,000 years. A bit clumsy, wasn't it? I would have rather heard more about Brian's trip to, to Bath and the things that he had to be dragged around. <laughs> Roy does idiocracy. He's frozen for a thousand years, but he wakes up and he's still the stupidest person on the planet. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I thought I thought it was. I mean, maybe I'm I'm always too literal about this stuff, but I thought it was really obvious. The obviously that Kathy hasn't been around a while. They want to bring her back for old timers like us, but they have to explain to everyone else who she is. So, oh look, she's friends with Lizzie. We know that yeah. she lives near Linda because of the llama comment. You know, we know. You know, they they gradually just walk us through all of her connections rather clumsily i think you're right and it didn't occur to me at all <laughs> that's exactly what they were doing wasn't it mm. just to through by a, a slightly um tense conversation between her and jolene yeah and they also threw in her son's name didn't they uh, is it jamie jamie yeah. that's it who lives in he lives in hereford and yeah had been listening into her bunny interview um, you, you can listen to anything online nowadays. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> Otherwise, where the f*** would we be? I wonder, I wonder when we're going to find out who the owner of the 60% is. I Do you think we will find out? I just think mm. Adil Shah is going to represent them and we'll never know. Oh, right. Okay. Someone suggested it might be the Gills. Yeah. yeah. Or it would be good if it was Matt. Oh, sorry. Matt Crawford would be good, wouldn't it? That would be amazing. But don't, don't, don't tempt me, Kerry. That's unfair because now I'm excited by the potential. Uh, it, mm. it it seems implausible that a deal would be um, buddies with um, Hazel Woolley. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think of that. <gasps> yeah, maybe. But they just don't seem like a good a good match. Um, oh God, let's just let's just leave it as Matt, so I can have it for a couple of weeks till we find out. <laughs> I can just live that fantasy for a couple of weeks. Imagine the refurb if Matt's in charge. <laughs> Do you really think they're going to drag Grey Gables out of the Archers for a year then? And we're not going to... I mean, it doesn't feature that much, does it? It pops up every three months, doesn't it? I think Adil's going to be around. They've invested pretty heavily in him. 
and you know they've the they're gonna the, all of the work that needs to go on there it's a good opportunity to um to to have some of the you know someone like you know jazza having a having a bit of a crisis of um of what's it called conscience does he take the work there uh and let down tracy or some kind of weird archer's logic like that you know uh, i don't know i think i think a bit, i think it'd be quite interesting to keep on popping back and see what's going on and stuff and oliver oliver go you know having to live as a social prior for a while or is this their way of getting rid of oliver does he leave and move to new york with his daughter I reckon they're getting rid of him. That's what I think. Aww. Gary, Gary, have you? Don't tell anyone, but I've never really liked Oliver. Oh, did you? <laughs> I, 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 I remember lovely scenes between him and Tracy, though. I liked those. No, I like those. I just, he's just so sort of, I'll oh, I tell you what it is. It was that ridiculous scene where he was kind of like, and I I always imagined that I would be the, the, the captain of the group leading the, the light brigade in, charging on my charger and saving everyone. And I failed my team. I failed my team. And it's like this kind of weird sort of Victorian sort of misguided sense of manhood. And like, so I've never really forgotten that scene. It's sort of, And ever since then, when I hear him, interacting with people it's all it kind of feels like there's a kind of reese moggian slightly patrician <laughs> man kind of like underpinning it all because roy really hit home didn't he when he said um oh you don't really you know caroline cared about the people not the building and you're destroying it not saving mm. it yeah that was a that was an unusually fine point for roy wasn't it mm. but I'm wondering why he's kept 40%. Is it just because of dear Caroline? I, I think he just should have sold the whole lot, really. That's what the tree on the green told him to do. Yeah, the talking tree. <laughs> oh, tell me, wise tree, what should I do with Grey Gables? Sell 60%, Oliver. <laughs> I don't think Oliver would know about Bluetooth speakers. They should get him down there. <laughs> you want to buy it back? Is that Caroline? <laughs> You want to buy it back, Oliver? Your voice sounds so different from the other side, Caroline. What's going on? There was been <laughs> off the refurb. I did one of the things that warned me to Oliver. By the way, there's a kid uh, in the street screaming. In case anyone thinks I've got someone locked in a basement. Mm. Um, the thing that warned me to Oliver was: Do you remember that time he wanted to work behind the bar of the Bell at the Bull? At the Bull. Sorry. Yeah, where's the bell? The bell is my old local in Bristol. Uh, Sorry, it's on the brain. Yeah. He he wanted to work behind the bar at the Bull, and mm. Joe Gr one of Joe Grundy's last ever scenes was that he was gonna he squished a fly into his cider, <laughs> and he was gonna go up and demand a refund. And when he got to the bar, Oliver was saying, "You know, I feel so much closer to Caroline now that I've been in here." And, it's, and he went and sat. Joe went and sat back down, and I was like. No, no, it's okay. I'm not going to do that. And I felt like that was kind of a warming to him. But I feel they've been closing his character off ever since. Yeah. What What's he going to do then? You know, he's going to not be welcome to hang around, is he? He's going to live in the cider shed. <laughs> yeah. It's, I don't, I'm just wondering where he will go. Yeah, well, like Peter said, he's going to go go to the States, isn't he? Yeah, possibly. I was um, I, I just looked up "help me" in um, Portuguese, and I was going to try and scream it out in the background. <laughs> do you, do you want to have a stab at it, Peter? And I'll tell you how. Did. Me <laughs> 
That's terrible. Um, <laughs> actually, considering I told a terrible chef joke in the Dairy Grills thing, can at least mm. indulge me. My friend Andy, who is a big fan of the podcast, told me a very good joke today. Uh, why did the French kill? Why did the French chef kill himself? Mm. Any guesses? I'm thinking. I'm thinking. My cogs are whirring. Okay, about, keep going. About French dishes and things. No. What is it? He lost his will to live. Right. <laughs> if anyone wants to hear more jokes like that, um, do they get Instagrammed? <laughs> is this the kind of content? <laughs> on Instagram? Oh, is that it? Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> We're ending on a right high there, aren't we? That's a proper tumbleweed clanging bell, that one. Oh, that's a great joke. Jesus. I think the delivery was a bit shit, to be honest with you, Matthew. All right, why, why do, you know, why are there no painkillers in the jungle? The parrots eat them. Yeah, why did go. the baker have brown hands? Because he needed a Cause poo. Because he needed yes, a that's poo. He needed a poo. <laughs> <laughs> that's better. What's brown and sticky? A stick. A stick. Yay. What's brown and taps at the window? Poo on stilts. <laughs> uh, so what <laughs> is the Instagram address, Matthew? <laughs> Uh, we're on Instagram um, at the Cider Shed Pod, and we have a Facebook group which is ever growing called the Cider Shed Podcast. And Kerry, let's say someone mm. wants to heap uh, terrible jokes on their fellow yeah. Cider Shedders. Come all, come one. That's the wrong way around. <laughs> um. Not in my house. <laughs> come someone, anyway. <laughs> Um, yeah, we're at the Cider Shed Pod on Twitter. I feel like I've neglected Twitter this week, uh, even more so than other recent weeks. We've all been a bit distracted, haven't we? Yeah, it's hard when you're working full time, and two of the days that you work, you work till eight o'clock at night, and one of them you're travelling back from London. You know, I try my hardest, and uh, so do sorry, a, but you do a, a cracking job, Kerry. Oh, Coughs in Patreon. I'm. Uh, I, I'm. Um, talking of which, I'm. I'm back. Um, I'm back at my desk next week, so I'm going to try and finally crack this advert thing. So yes. next week we will have adverts, and um, we will need feedback on how it goes. Please be brutal, um, and um, you know, tell us exactly what you think because it's going to be an experiment. I know that um, a fellow Archers podcast—they've had some—they've um, uh, been—they've been reaching out to Twitter because they've had a, a bit of feedback about how theirs has gone. So, in a similar vein, we'd love to hear have any helpful comments you can give us. Um, and yeah, uh, hello at the cidershed dot com—that's our email address. Uh, ping me an email, and um, I will respond as quick as I can. And yeah. I I now know what I didn't know, as in I started the podcast by saying I was a bit confused and I feel slightly less confused. So thank you, Kerry. Thank you, Matthew. And how's your ankle, Peter? Oh, yes. You had an injury whilst uh, on a death slide. I showed off to my nephews and absolutely did my ankle, but then had to style it out. Like one of the Gleason twins, you went over on your ankle. Yeah, it was... Went down on your ankle. Hello, it's Peter doing the edit here. Uh, I didn't hear that joke during the recording. It's a very funny joke. Uh, plaudits to Kerry, as always. She's a very am- amusing woman. Uh, Kerry, I told you that in confidence. Thank you. I'll post a picture of my ankle during the, the tweet along on Sunday. Oh, that'll boost the followers. <laughs> <laughs> like a Victorian lady.
gradually I will reveal myself week, <laughs> week, week, week by week. Um, it's, like, you know, it's like one of those old um, peanut boards you used to get in pubs. <laughs> <laughs> or one of those pens that you turn upside down. <gasps> Oh, I love those. I've got uh, okay, right. That's uh, if we get to if we get to Joe Rogan <laughs> figures. Yeah, Peter's gonna Peter's gonna get his wang out, guys. Not just me. The three of us will do new depends. I haven't got a wang. Peter, what? I said. I know. Yeah, Peter you, said you... all three of us will get. Oh well, you know. Contrary to popular belief, I do not have a penis. Well, all the junk out. <laughs> I've got marvelous tits, though. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> and on that. <laughs> Bombshell. Bombshell. See you next week. I'm clipping that, Matty. I'm clipping that. <laughs> See everyone. Bye. Bye. Hangar